welcome to Age of Minority, a podcast for youth about the gospel. I'm your host, Jaquel, here with my co-host, pastor, and dad, Sean. Hey, Jaquel. Hi, dad. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. We are, we, I am once again here with you in spirit, uh, not yes. in person, doing the old video, uh, video recording. Remote, we're recording remotely. Yes, Although we're on I, video, least... our listeners can't see us. Yeah. But... No, do our listeners really want to see us? They're our listeners. They're not our seers. <laughs> well, true. I, I believe people on YouTube, they would refer to them as viewers, not seers. Oh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. This explains I, I why we're, we're podcasters, okay? We, we're not YouTubers. Right. We're podcasters. We are not YouTubers. Exactly. Yep. So what's going on? What are we... Uh, give, me a, give me a countdown here. We had like 30, 39 weeks, 38 weeks, 32 <laughs> weeks, 36. What are we at here? I mean, it feels like 39 weeks, I'll say yeah, that, right. uh, but yeah. we're not there yet. We're at like 34 and a half weeks, so mm. getting close though. We are we are getting close. We're almost at the month countdown, wow. so that's exciting. <laughs> I was just talking to a mutual friend of ours the other day while texting, and uh, they're, they're, his wife is also pregnant. And I asked how that person was doing, and he says, "Oh, she's doing pretty good. She preferred to not be pregnant right now. <laughs> like she, like not not prefer to be not be pregnant, but she prefer to have the baby now." Yes. And I'm like, "Yeah, I can only imagine." So, uh, anyway, yes. you and you and her in the same. But I guess she's is she due slightly earlier than you? Yes, she is. So she's slightly due sooner. one week before me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you and her might see each other in the hallways. We might, but see uh, there at our church, as you know, <laughs> I have two friends that are due yes. three weeks after me. Right. So at least I get to have my baby, and then you know they'll be they'll be ready to they'll they'll still be pregnant, and I can rejoice in their affliction uh, right. of being heavily pregnant while I will not be pregnant anymore. So that's I because mean that's, that's, that's the perspective I have. That's what we do, right? As Christians, we rejoice in others' affliction. Exactly. Something like that. Yeah, right, I think right. I think there's a verse about that. <laughs> All right. Okay. But you're doing okay today? I'm doing okay today. Mm-hmm. Hanging yeah, in there? Indeed. indeed. I'm on my exercise ball. So oh, all, oh, all is well. Oh, the exercise ball. I, see, I never quite understood the comfort of the exercise ball. It, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, comfort is a relative term at this point True as enough. well. So after I'm on it for a while, my back starts to hurt. But while right. I'm on it, it helps my hips. So it's all about the cost-benefit analysis at this point. Wow. Yeah, and it, 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 it's been there's been there's been some costs. We'll say that. Hey, <laughs> there there have there have indeed. You have had some costs. But hey, wow. ba- so, baby's worth it. Baby's worth it. Absolutely. Besides that, you know, what else is going on in your life these days? Oh, I actually did think of something I was going to talk to you about. Uh, very Ooh. very important, profound. Have you heard the new Citizen song? The new Citizen song? No, I haven't. I don't think so. Okay, it is so funky. It is it oh, is yeah? so good. But I have some questions about it. It's Uh-oh. okay, l- let me see if I can pronounce it. It's it's called um Kiri Eleison. I yeah, think Kiri Eleison. Okay, so Jesus can you Lord. can can you tell me more about this phrase cuz this phrase cuz I googled it and they said that it was often used in like orthodox con- like Greek orthodox contexts. Well, I don't Do know. You know. I'm, I'm just, this? I'm just googling it. I oh, okay. see what's, what's funny is that what I remember it from was a, a song from the '80s or '90s. Interesting. Uh, well, isn't it? Doesn't it refer to? It was Marcy? by Mister Mister. Oh. Uh, well, let's. I don't know. I. Uh, I mean, Curie is Lord. Yeah. Uh, Lord have mercy. Is that what it? Oh, what it means? yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it means. Yeah. 
Anyways, the song, besides that phrase, it's all in English and it's, it's really good. And it's yeah, super, super funky. But I wondered if you knew anything more about that phrase. No, I don't know anything about it. No, it's so it's funny you brought up music because I actually I haven't listened to it all because I just haven't gotten around to listening to much music lately. But have you heard any of the new uh, Skillet album? I have not. No, it's it's it, uh, well, actually, I've listened to like one or two songs and the lyrics are pretty intense so far. So it, mm. it's been interesting because I don't know if you've been watching. Uh, what is, it, is his name? John Cooper? Uh, I think his name is John I Cooper. I think so, yeah. Yeah, John Cooper's uh, uh, got connected with James White in the last little while, last few years. And and he's gone hardcore in theology, and he's also connected with Joe Boot. Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know, know how that. much you know about that. No. Um, and, and these guys are, you know, post-mill kind of a theonomy kind of thing. And uh, so it's interesting to see. Now, mm-hmm. I, I, I like the direction um, that, that the album seems to be going. It's very much like, a, you, you know, like a, I think you and I have talked about this some. I, well, I know you and I have talked about this some. I don't know whether we've talked about it on air or not. But this whole kind of, uh, it seems like uh, oftentimes people are very defeatist. In their mm. mindset and it's like man like and and you and i well we've definitely talked about that lately. like lately things have just been crazy around around the world i was going to say around here around the world and you can get this very defeatist mindset and uh and these guys are coming back and they're saying no man like we're christians we're called to fight and we're called to engage and i like that man so mm. so whether you, whether or not you've you know fall into the post mill camp whether you're you know all in with the onomy or or some in or completely against it whatever the, the case is is that these guys are engaging in the battle and i really like their attitude about that so um, and plus, you know me, I just like the heavy, heavy rock music. Yeah. So interesting. I will, I will look it up because that, uh, yeah. that is intriguing. Yeah. Check it out. Yep. Um, so should we just get into our, our topic du jour today? Let's just get into it. All right. Well, we, we started this series, uh, last week, I guess, with just an introduction to the five points of Calvinism. And, uh, today we're going to start with, uh, doctrine number one, total depravity and uh, off air we were chatting about this whole uh, this whole acronym that we're using uh, and uh, the funny thing we're using this acronym called tulip uh, and uh, so that's total depravity unconditional election limited atonement irresistible grace and perseverance of the saints and uh, and I made a joke to Jekyll about oh yeah you know back when John Calvin came up with this great acronym <laughs> which of course that didn't happen but the funny thing is that neither Jekyll or I know where this acronym first originated. So, so we can tell you where it is. We know there's been lots of other acronyms have come up since, but uh, but uh, this is the one we're using. It's helpful, and uh, and I like it. I'm, I mean, I don't really mm-hmm. care about flowers or anything, but it's just an easy way to remember. So yes. we're starting with total depravity. So do you want to start us up with a with a definition? I think I think you covered a definition of total depravity when we first uh, when we did the uh, intro series. So do yeah, you wanna sure. Okay, so a definition of total depravity is simply that all of man is wholly sinful. From the moment of conception, when you are right. born into this fallen world, uh, every part of you is corrupt. And it might be helpful to just quote Calvin himself sure. on this because he has a really good definition of this, unsurprisingly. Um, sure. And so this is from the Institutes. And he just says, the whole man is overwhelmed as by a deluge from head to foot so that no part is immune from sin and all that proceeds from him is to be imputed to sin. So that's the the unregenerate fallen person. Um, and then he continues and just says, as Paul says, which we'll kind of get into, all turning of the thoughts are enmities against God. That is total depravity. 
Yeah, so it's like you said last week. Um, it, it, we're not saying that, that, that men are as bad as they can be. We're saying that every part of them has been corrupted. Mm-hmm. So so our minds, our hearts, our will, our affections, our desires, everything. There's not a part of us that is not impacted by original sin. And I think that's something that's worth that's worth mentioning is that when it comes to the doctrine of total depravity, the, 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 you know, you can take it back a step and ask, you know, why, why are we all totally depraved? Well, it's because we believe that we are we are united with Adam, right? Adam right. is our federal head. We are born connected with Adam, and Adam basically he sinned for us, and so we uh, we uh, inherit original sin, mm-hmm. and so we are born sinners, and because we are born sinners, we sin, and and it's not just you know I mean then the question becomes well how how bad are we? And it's like, well, every part of us is impacted. We're corrupted. All of us. There's not a part of us that is that is free from that. Now, why why is that so important? Like, why is it so important to begin with this whole issue of total depravity? Well, we're talking about the doctrine of salvation here. Like, we're talking about soteriology. Right. And, I mean, even when you think about conversations about the gospel, we have to start with the bad news. All right? If we're talking about right. salvation, what do we need to be saved from? Like, what is so bad about our condition that we need to be rescued from this? And so we really have to understand the, the depths of how how terrible, how how miserable, how abject our condition is, our spiritual state is, to appreciate, to, to actually understand even what Christ does, what the Trinity does in saving us. Well, I mean, that's exactly it. Because if you're not totally depraved, well, then, you know, there, there's other solutions, right? Mm. Like if, if, there, if there's a smidgen of goodness in you, Jaquel, just even a smidgen of goodness, then you just need to try to, you know, grab a hold of that goodness and and and, and let it flourish and grow. And, right. you know, or, or you, you just not, need to try to be a better version of yourself or, or you know, maybe you just uh, you just need Jesus to save you from, from this element or that element. But no, we're, we're saying that we're totally depraved. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I do and, think that phrase itself is so important because some people are like, wow, right. that is such a harsh phrase, like depravity, like depraved, really? But no, that's <laughs> yeah. that's the point. <laughs> it is serious. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And that's exactly it. It's as serious as it can be, mm-hmm. right? It's not that we're as bad as we could be necessarily, but the situation is as bad as it could be. Right. I guess maybe that's another way to put it. Now let's, let's, um, we have, uh, we have talked recently to, about the fact that you and I, uh, read, we're reading an Arminian together, uh, a well-known Arminian. Mm-hmm. We were reading a book together, uh, called, um, God, man, I was ready to just go right into it, Nyla. <laughs> I got the title right here. It is called, I don't know why I can't remember it, but it's called uh, Arminian Theology, Myths and Realities by Roger Olson. Um, but you were you so helpfully uh, dug up a quote from Roger Olson from this book about total depravity and what Arminians believe about total depravity. Mm. And now, now we're going to try to represent Arminians, well, we're always going to try to represent Armenians well, but we're gonna we're going to um, we're gonna you know bring up a quote Roger Olson every now and then in this series. Um, but when it comes to total depravity, it seems that him and us are in more agreement than on the other issues. It's it's very true. So Roger Olson says uh, Armenians together with Calvinists affirm total depravity. Be- and here's here's kind of like this is something I, I was picking up on uh, earlier in our conversation. Um, he says Armenians together with Calvinists affirm total depravity because of the fall of humanity in Adam and its inherited consequence of a corrupted nature in bondage to sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arminius' own account of human fallenness could hardly be stronger if he had been a full-blown Calvinist. It is only fair to acknowledge, however, that later remonstrants and Arminians of the head did move away from Arminius' strong teaching on human depravity. Mm-hmm. Now, he, here's the question. 
why do you think that is? Why have many Arminians moved away from Arminius's strong teaching on total depravity? Well, I think this is something we're, we're going to get into more yeah. in weeks to come. Um, but it does come down to their view of of the human state, the human condition, right. um, right. their, their human view ability. of human ability, their view of free will, their view right. of God's grace, uh, in yep. salvation, how that works. Like it's all kind of tied together. Um, and, and there are, you know, Olson, Olson makes the case that classical Arminians do believe in total depravity, but he does acknowledge that, that some depending on their view of, of all of these things, yep. you know, they, they don't, they don't actually um, have as strong of a stance on this as, I mean, as we'll get into as the Bible seems to present. Yeah, well, I would, I mean, I would really encourage you, whether you're a Calvinist or an Arminian, to check out this book, because the one thing that uh, Olson does is he does, I mean, he, he does his fair share of quoting. This is mm. what he does, right? He takes us back to the original sources. So if you do want to see how that plays out, I would definitely check that, check that out. But let's, let, let, let's talk about what the scripture says. And uh, it's really, there's really nowhere, nowhere to go before uh, Romans chapter three. And, and Romans chapter three, really, I mean, Paul really out, outlines what total depravity is all about. But you can narrow in on verses 10 through 12 in Romans chapter three, where he says, as is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Mm. So that's, yeah. I mean... That, that that really sums it up pretty well. Um, like the, the the problem is is that is that there is no one who is not totally depraved. Like this this is this the, so so. There's basically two elements really to total depravity. Number one, that the entirety of our being is corrupt, and second, it's that the entirety of humanity is corrupt. There, there's no human being that's even just a little bit good and a little bit bad. No, every human being uh, who's connected with Adam is born totally depraved. And, and, mm. and Paul sums that up right there. You can't really, and, and there, there he's quoting from the Psalms and, uh, and whatnot. So, so, you know, the, the, the testimony of scripture truly is, is that all of mankind is depraved. Yeah. Well, so that's something I was thinking, like the testimony of scripture is very consistent in both old and new testaments, because we do often go to Paul, especially, uh, right. or, or Jesus in the new Testament when we're talking about this, but Solomon in in First Kings eight forty six sure. says, for there is no one that does not sin. Like like that right. is very very clear throughout the entire entire Bible. Um, this testimony is consistent. Well, and, and I mean, somebody's bound to ask, well, why is it that, that there's no one that doesn't sin? And the reason is, is that because we're all born sinners, like mm. we all sin because we're born sinners, right? You, you know, you know, my my infamous illustration that that, you know, cats don't bark and mm -hmm. dogs don't meow, you know, cats meow and dogs bark and sinners sin. That's why we sin. We don't, we, it's not that we sin and that makes us sinners. It's not like we're born and all of a sudden, you know, we do our first bad thing. It's like, oh, there it is. You're now totally depraved. No, you're born totally depraved. You don't need to teach a child how to sin. Jaquel exactly. knows that very well <laughs> very right well. now, yeah. right? That's just the way it goes. We're, this is the way we're born because we're, because of uh, our, our fallen state in Adam. Exactly. And, so, and this truly means like we have an inability to do what's right. So like Jesus says in John 3, 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay. He, you, you can't even see the kingdom of God. You can't even access it because of this, this total inability. 
Well, yeah, and that, that's what Paul's, you know, picking up on in 1 Corinthians 2.14 when he says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. Like this, this is the, the issue is that, you know, we have no hope whatsoever in and of ourselves, mm. right? Like this is the thing. We, we keep using the phrase, but it's necessary. We're totally depraved. And what are we going to do uh, unless somebody does something about our present condition. And that's kind of, I guess, where we should really direct this conversation It mm. is like, what difference does total depravity make? Like, this is not just this, this, you know, cold uh, doctrine of dusty theology books. This is something that is relevant for the Christian life. And, and, uh, you know, and, and, and this is one that Calvinists and Arminians for the most part seem to agree on. So what, you know, how would you respond to that, Jaquel? If somebody said to you, you know, like, what, what is the big deal about total depravity? Why do I need to be concerned? about total depravity right okay so first i think is just to just to hit home what we've already alluded to like we can't understand the good news unless we understand the bad news we cannot fully understand what god has done unless we understand how bad we are and this should be so encouraging to believers in that it should just magnify the lord's work in our lives. It should draw us to, to worship God for what he has done for sinners in, in the condition that we were in. Um, yeah. And should just increase our, our awe, um, and view of, of our creator and savior. Yeah. There's something else I would suggest too, is that it can, it can protect us against bad theology. If we have a good starting point, a good foundation, mm. you know, because especially in this day and age of uh, social media, where you see all kinds of memes and stuff like that online, you know, you got to really be careful about what you see and what you like and what you let influence you because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you need to be on guard against these kinds of things like, well, you know, you just got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps or, you know, you, you just got to try to be good enough. You got to try and do better. You got to, you know, I mean, like this is often, you've heard me say this many times times at church this is often the message you hear you just got to do better and it's like that's bad theology like no we can't do better we're completely lost we are you know we cannot help ourselves Mm -hmm. right like there's this phrase uh, that this was the phrase that i was thinking of when i when i went down this direction is is um i just lost it again um (laughs) i i totally lost it okay maybe it'll come uh yeah but but anyway just this this idea that you, you know oh yeah, God, God only helps those who help themselves. Ah, right? okay. That, that's the phrase I was thinking of. And and it's like, no, that's ridiculous. We cannot help ourselves. That's the whole point of, mm. of total depravity is that we cannot help ourselves. We need somebody to help us, somebody outside of us, somebody who is not impacted by total depravity. Right, right. It's true. <laughs> so, and, I, and because of that, it should also draw us to humility, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we were oh, not yeah. the ones who saved ourselves. Like there is no inherent goodness in us. We had nothing to do with our salvation. And so that should make us more humble in, in terms of our salvation, but also just in terms of our lives, recognizing just the weak, miserable state that we were in. And, you know, but for the grace of God, that's where we would still be. Um, and so that should inform how we interact with other believers, inform how we interact with, uh, with unbelievers, like all those things with the spirit of humility. Oh yeah, absolutely. It should give us great compassion for others too. Like to, to know that like, you know, we're all in the same position. Mm-hmm. Like not one of us is any better than anybody else. In fact, we're all as, you know, we're all as totally depraved as the next person. And, and apart from that work of God in our lives, that's exactly where we would be. So, so not only should it make us more compassionate towards other believers, it should, it should make us more bold in our witness to mm-hmm. others. 
you know, to know that, that they need to hear the gospel just as much as we did. And the only reason that we were saved is because God was so kind as to regenerate us and, and, and to have somebody to share the gospel with us so that we could turn from our sins and trust in him. So right. it, it really should make a difference. And, uh, and, and so I, I think that's, uh, that's been, I don't really have, you got something else to say? I have one last thing. Cause it was just something Excellent. I was reflecting on earlier today. Um, yeah was that the doctrine of total depravity should be a great comfort to us in the midst of living in an evil world. So if you don't believe in total right. depravity, right. how does Hitler make sense? I remember yeah, as a teenager, right. we were talk- we talked last week about kind of our individual journeys to Calvinism. And I mentioned that right. as, a, as a young teen, that's when I really started uh, learning more about these doctrines and understanding them. And I actually felt like total depravity unlocked this thing that had confused me for so long because also as a teenager I was starting to realize that the world is a really messed up place and people do horrible things and there is so much wickedness and evil and if you believe like I had (laughs) I had a person in my life who was fairly influential who was not a believer but she one of the most things she was most passionate about is that every person deep down is truly good right and and I was like, I don't understand how you can reconcile that with yeah. Hitler, with this, you know, extreme wickedness that you see. But total depravity gives you that language and that understanding to, uh, you know, allow you to make sense of the world and make sense of some of this, this pervasive evil and wickedness when you understand that, you know, not, not we're not all as bad as we could be. Um, but this is, <laughs> this is how wickedness happens. We still, as all humans... We are totally depraved. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point because like so often, I think even as Christians, we look around in the world and we wonder like, how did things get so bad? And it's like, yeah. No, as Christians, we don't wonder how it got so bad. We know exactly why it got so bad. And like, you know, like, we, like we've said a number of times, it doesn't mean that we're as bad as we can be. And and the primary reason for that is that God is graciously restraining evil. Right. Like imagine if God wasn't restraining evil, if things were as bad as they possibly could be. But that the, the point you were making, which I think is very helpful, is that we shouldn't look around and be surprised by wickedness in this world. Mm. This is this is uh, like you say. We have this biblical language. We we know exactly what is going on in this world. We shouldn't be surprised one bit. What what we should be is we should be grateful to God that the world isn't as bad as it is as it could be, Amen. and that He is restraining evil, and and that He does so choose to save people out of their total depravity. Okay. And every time He does, it makes this world just a little bit better of a place. Yeah, exactly. That so. should be that should be very comforting to us. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, good. This has been this has been a helpful conversation. I don't I don't think these episodes are going to be especially long because we're, we're not, you know, we're not going to get into anything too, too terribly deep. We just want to introduce these subjects to mm. our listeners. Hopefully it's been helpful to yeah. you. Well, where can they find us if they have uh, questions or comments? They can find us on our website, ageofminority.com. They can email us at Jaquel or Sean at ageofminority.com. They can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They can also find us on Spotify now where Spotify, they can rate right? us. Very exciting. Yep. Um, or they can also go to Apple iTunes. Of course. And leave us an honest five-star rating and review. All right, then. Until next week, Jaquel. This has been Age of Minority. <laughs>